0: Gaming NBS episode 290, coming to you Monday, April 20th, 2020. Welcome to Gaming NBS, the tabletop RPG podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome to the show, folks. Welcome back. Glad everybody's on board. You was Sean. It
1: dawned to me today. I got a, I know a few people that like to partake in the uh, Illinois Substance of Choice,
0: huh. and uh, it's four twenty marijuana.
1: Yeah, it's four twenty twenty twenty. So I assume what's going to happen: people oh. are going to get so goddamn baked they'll forget what day it is. Look at it and go, oh, it's twenty twenty. Do it again, and then well, one last gasp before they pass out. So I think it's going to be a triple baked day. Is where things going to happen?
0: twenty twenty. Twenty twenty. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's going to be. People, certain folks I know are going to be triply baked today.
0: And f- at 420 today would have been yeah,
1: like. They, and they probably still are. I don't, it's
0: it won't happen like this for another, what? I don't know how many years. <laughs> anyway.
1: Just Thousands like, of years. <laughs> silly, funny, weird thing on the side. All right. Let's see here. Announcements. Let's
0: move on. I didn't do anything cool this slide. Did you game this last weekend? Before I get into it, I did not game this weekend, though. I did watch a few people on Twitch for mm-hmm. uh, Chaos Con by Goodman Games. Cool. So, uh, Chaos Con, you mean Cyclops? Cyclops Con. I am sorry, you guys. Cyclops Con, yes. Like uh, Bruce Cunnington was running some mm-hmm. games. I saw Jen Brinkman at the end, but I couldn't get the audio on because I was sitting in my living room. So, I saw Jen Brinkman was on running DCC. Awesome. I don't know if Ray was in that. I know Jeff Seifert was in that game. So amongst Slick. others, yeah. So it was cool.
1: It was uh, turkey hunting season for me, so I was on the woods. Gobble gobble. Yeah, didn't get anything. The weather it was crap for turkey hunting, but it was
0: it was fun anyway. Yeah. Well, All right, fantastic. announcements. Announcements.
1: <sighs> Let's see. Wow. Event registration for GameholeCon is live, and GameholeCon is November fifth through the eighth of this year. So from Alex and the boys over there, I've seen many different posts and such. And um, the hope, the plan is that it's still going to happen, right? Because it's out in November, and hey, get your events registered now. So, Sean, you and I have been talking about different things we want to do, kind of a gaming BS event type of thing. So offline from here, we need to have a little virtual Give me a BS director's meeting Figure out what the hell that's really going to look like. Ah, uh, yes, we, the
0: board of director meeting, yes.
1: <laughs> yes, because we've bandied a few ideas about a some sort of a DCC funnel, some sort of uh, Call cthulhu thing, thing, um, a Dungeons versus, mo- you know, Adventures versus Monsters. I don't know. I got a couple different ideas I want to throw at you, so we'll talk about it offline. But
0: Sounds I'll do good. something. I'll do something. So, they did put out a newsletter. If you're not signed up for that, go over and they've announced things. Um, yep. They mentioned, like, hey, do you want a Game Con in November? I don't know why Alex would throw that out there in such a question. I would hope that everybody that's subscribed and, you know, given today's climate, that everybody hmm. would want a Game Con. So, but he, I think he's saying that by show us that you want this convention by submitting yeah, events. Yeah, kind of like, hey, you know, Hmm. This is like Cyclops Con and you kind know, of Champions
1: and so forth, which we're going to talk about here. Count of Champions is May 23rd to the 25th, which is online. That goes to help tabletop events, which we've talked about. But by signing up and getting this thing going for Gamehole Con, getting your events registered and so forth, that helps. Having been a con runner for a few years, this is the events at the con are what drives the attendance, Right. People would tell me at Evercon, oh, I don't see enough events yet. I'm not going to sign up. Oh, I'm not going to sign up. I don't see enough events yet. And it is crazy how hard it can be sometimes to get people to put events into the damn schedule. So I encourage you, if you plan to go to HoleCon and you want to run an event, get it in there. Because if nothing else, much like anything that do at gaming conventions, the faster you're in there, you say, I want to run Friday at noon. There's always somebody Friday at noon spaces open, people. There may be a lot of them. They got a shit ton of space, but uh, believe you me, that shit fills up fast. There are a couple of buddies of Sean and I that said, "Ah, oh, I was trying to run a game or get in a game." Even, I mean, you know, the get in a game thing is a little more common. But I did hear people tell me I wanted to run a game on Saturday in the free space I had, but I waited too long to get my event in, and I couldn't do it. Hmm. So don't be, don't be that dude. Don't be that guy. Don't be no. that gamer person, man. no get shit in there.
0: Yeah. Right. Anyway. What else we got? I want to thank everybody out there. That uh, in, special shout out to Larry Hollis uh, oh, for helping cool. us become a, an official Twitch affiliate. So uh, it's not. Ooh, a, that sounds cool. What does not, that get us? Yeah, it gives us some a lot of bells and whistles. Allows us to to, to earn a little bit more money, which you know isn't going to be a ton, which is fine. Uh, but. To become a Twitch affiliate, you have to have so many followers. You have to have streamed so many hours within a certain period of time, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So there's this criteria of of qualifications. And we were sitting at like 42 followers, and you have to have 50 to become a Twitch affiliate. And so it's like on the edge. I'm not a big fan of like, hey, everybody, you know, follow us. And, you know, we're, we're at 900 followers on Twitter. Just. A hundred more to get to a thousand. I'm not like we, I'm not usually that never, guy.
1: No, yeah. neither must have been that person. But that's um, just not our thing.
0: We were so close, and I was like, I know we'll eventually hit it. So I just put it out there, and and a few people retweeted uh, and said, "Hey, let's get this. let get these guys to the, over the hump." So thank you, everybody oh, that did that. Very uh, sweet. I know. Yeah, Larry was like, "Where are you at?" I'm like, "We're at. You're like number 46, Larry." He's like, "All right," and he like, "Hey, let these get these guys over the hump." And so there's. Some of our followers came through and and some of the BSers. So thank you, everybody.
1: Our our BSers are awesome people. Yeah,
0: man. Gamers, dude.
1: Yeah. I mean, generally speaking, I've yet to meet a BSer. I'm like, oh, boy, I don't like that person. Every single one of you that's written in, had a say to us, met us somewhere, talked to us, communicated with us in any way, every single one of you have been goddamn awesome. So thank
0: you very much. Just wanted to throw that out there. So it gives us a little... Allows people to subscribe to our channel and allows them to purchase emotes and bits, and which we have some interesting ones that will be <laughs> coming out. But, uh, yeah, it's just, yeah, that's that's the thing. So that's all I had for announcements, Brett. Cool. Oh, I do have
1: my, um, my. speaking of Twitch, though, my Streets of Avalon game is this Saturday.
0: Yes. So I don't know if this episode will drop in time. Well, you get get on the stick, boy. Well, I got stuff going on, man. Like what? promoting and getting your shit in order, actually. You
1: got a a couch that needs sitting?
0: Come on, let's go. Jeez. (laughs) I'm doing a custom background for Brett's live stream, and I'll be producing that. Yeah, man. Damn. Yeah, Brett. No, I I joke. (laughs) Obviously,
1: I joke because... I, I can't do any of this shit without you, dude, so thank you very much. And
0: I have got Mothership on Thursday night at 8 o'clock. Do you? Right awesome. here on Twitch. Uh, every other Thursday. And well, so even, if, even if this one, drops too late, yeah. you don't
1: catch it. Yeah. It'll be on Twitch, which yes. means eventually it goes to YouTube, correct? Yes, correct. Very good. Yep. <sighs> cool. I don't yeah. know if this will end in one session or not. I'll see how it goes. Oh, man. Yeah. I got, um, I could see it running the length that it did at the... At Game will come when I ran it, uh, so we'll see what happens. Could be fun. Sure. Yeah,
0: yeah. So is, yeah. is that it? That's it. All right, move on. Random encounter segment of the show where we field emails, voicemails, comments from social media and our forums. Um, you can start. I'll start. Comment to changes to playing online. From Tom. Um, now, this
1: this first sentence here is the reason I want Sean to do it, because yes. I want to hear Sean say these words.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Here we go, ladies and gents. I think Brett has it exactly right here.
1: Can you say it with the underscore and bolding that exactly deserves? <laughs>
0: I'm kidding. <Carry> on. <laughs> I think Brett has, has it exactly right here. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
1: Anyway, carry on.
0: We've been playing over Zoom lately, and it's worked fine for our gaming style. I'm a tinkerer, though, and have been looking at Roll20. The urge to try and use all the features is hard to resist. Our group is, for the most part, not all that technically oriented, so I need to keep what they need to do to a minimum. Mainly, I would just be using the handout option, putting up pictures, etc. We might occasionally use the map. We don't use one of the supported systems, so basic is best, but still... I keep looking f- up Fog of War, adapting maps and secret GM layers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I really need to just stop and run the game, like, on Zoom. I actually might stay with Zoom just to resist temptation to tinker, but Roll20 is so shiny.
1: <laughs> well, Tom, I'll tell you, what you talked about doing there, you know, just using it for the handout option, putting up pictures, etc. that's exactly what I'm doing. I'll be doing that tomorrow in my Tuesday Avalon game. And it's working very well with that group. Like, hey, here's an image of what this looks like. Here's an image of this creature. Holy shit, what the fuck is that? That's one of these. And um, I take the character notes and I throw them out in handouts from every session. So referencing that stuff, it's pretty cool. It works very, very well for that. Yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. So yeah. well, let's see here. Thank you, Tom, by the way, for writing in. Very cool. Yeah.
0: And yeah Thanks, Tom.
1: And it is tricky just to reiterate that. Roll20 is shiny, all those features and things and... Fancy Grounds, all those cool st- things out there. They're just freaking cool, man. So it's tough, it's tough to stay simple. Let's see here, Al comments on the forums about GM's rolling dice for players. I GM online, specifically on roll 20. So skill checks perception are divided arbitrarily by me into two groups, things that can change the role play, like intimidate or GM roles that the player sees but, are not, but not the other players. <clears throat> it's the difference between Stinky the Dwarf sidles up to the guard Stroking his axe and muttering, wait until we hear his answer, sweetie. And Knuckles, the thief, minces up to the guard, reaches for his buckle knife, and actually drops his pants. Things that can change the character's health, etc., like climbing a wall and handled handle with an API script blind roll, only the GM sees the roll. That's the difference between I carefully inch up the wall five feet and then slowly move along the north wall, and you get about halfway up the 50-foot wall when you suddenly pitch backwards with a loose bit of stone in your hand and take 12 damage and roll a con save. I like that. I like that. That's pretty cool. (laughs) If you look at dice that could change roleplay, having it be that, especially if your group likes that piece, like, hey, I use that to help me roleplay. Cool. Roll the die privately so that player sees it, and then they instigate their roleplaying based on that. And the same type of thing with the character health pieces. I like it. Very cool. Yeah, very cool.
0: Over to you, Sean. DM Kojo emails us on GMs making roles for players. Greetings, BSers! I wanted to chime in about GMs making player roles. As you mentioned in the episode, it depends a bit on the players. First off, metagaming in RPGs drives me crazy. I expect my players to run their characters in a manner that is consistent with the game rules, alignment, etc. The precedent that they have set for the PC's behavior in previous games, if applicable, and make sure that they don't use player knowledge to alter what their PC would do. Fair. When I am playing with a group that I know well, and that I trust to set the player knowledge aside, and that I trust to set the player knowledge aside, I don't have a problem with them rolling the dice for things that their PC would not know the success or failure of. However, when I am playing with less experienced players, or players I don't know, such as a con game, then I typically would make those rolls for them in secret.
1: Hmm, Interesting. Hmm.
0: Additionally, when I make the rolls for them, I often will try to give them some narrative clues regarding the nature of the roll without actually telling them the result. After I roll and I know they failed a check, I may describe it as they are attempting to move silently and they feel like they are being successful, but they may have kicked a small stone during the attempt. They don't know if they are actually moving silently or not. On the flip side, if they barely make the roll, I would describe it the same way. However, if they easily make the roll, I would relate the result to them in a narrative manner that they feel more confident about their attempt this way. the uh, okay, attempt. This way, they are always guessing and never metagaming the results of the roll. I feel like this is important for any actions that they would not necessarily know if they were successful or not. Great topic as always. Thanks, DM Kojo. Hmm. I like that. I think the other
1: cool thing, we've talked to Kojo personally and about other other things on the show before, and this is a piece where Kojo's going to say, look, I'm going to do this, and I'll give you a narrative, and he's going to tell you, this is how I run my table. Which I think is a key piece here, and Kojo to tell us if we're wrong, and you actually like to just surprise the poor motherfucker and go, "Ha ha! I roll these in secret, dick." I assume you don't do that. <laughs> kind of. This is how this is how the table runs. I think this is cool. I think the other a um, lot of different ways to do it. You know, Al com- Al's comment and Kojo's piece. Different approaches, but I think as long as you're consistent and you explain yourself, and everybody's like, "Oh, cool, yep, yeah, that's how we roll." All right, then let's just keep it, let's just keep it going that way. I like the idea of the narrative component and the fear, which is the thing I thought that uh, that Tim did really well for you and I during the astonishing swordsman game, is that he would roll, and I'd be like, "So, yeah, you think you got it? Okay." Sometimes it was just a simple, "You think you got it? You're confident you have it." Just the a little verb, little adjective tweak, a little bit of confidence in the you seem, you think, you're certain, you're positive. Those are all different words. <laughs> they all have totally different meanings. It can impact the play a lot. You don't even need to be terribly evocative in your narration. Just use the right word to get people keyed in. So good stuff, man. Yeah. Thanks, Kojo. All right. Dirtless, aka Dan, emails us about jiming.com. GMs, good God, GMs making rolls for players. Just listen to rolling for players. I like both ways. If I'm DMing, I gear it towards the players. There are a few ways I've seen it or have run it. I was at a convention game hall and playing some d and A couple, a pair of tabaxi rogues, would roll every five feet uh, of a cave they were exploring. It was taking forever. But everyone at the table, including the DM, saw how much fun they were having, so we rolled with it. Rolling dice is damn fun. Pre-rolling... Everyone roll me 220s and tell me the results. And then in the middle of the adventure, the DM would say, what's your dex modifier? And would add the modifier to your pre-roll. DM rolling is great for adding suspense as long as it's not overdone. Rolling dice is fun. Totalistic, aka Dan. I have not seen the pre-rolling idea. I want to say I've heard of it before, but I can't tell if it's, if I have or not. I don't, my memory is cloudy on that. But the idea of, in a game like, a D20 game. Roll me two 20s. Cool. Record, uh, keep the results aside. And then use them in that order at some random point in the game. Interesting. It's almost like a twist on uh cipher system, in a way. I don't know. Kind of reminds me of GM intrusions or something like that. Tracking with me, Sean? I am tracking with you. Look, look a little spaced out there, buddy. No, okay. no, no. no that's... All right. Just checking. It is 420. I just want to make sure you're with me. <laughs> Sean does not indulge.
0: (laughs) I know it's illegal, man. Uh huh. Here in Wisconsin, anyway.
1: That stops everybody, Um, right? Okay, no, cool. I like this. I think the other thing that's interesting is when you you, um, Dan talks about the Tabaxi rogues and they're rolling every five feet. takes forever, but everyone's having fun. Sometimes um, events like this start happening, and you have all intense intentions. And your intents and purposes are like, hey, guess what? I'm going to roll these dice and this, that, and the other thing. And somehow, that pesky player Eileen starts rolling her own dice for the thing you swore this time you were going to roll for all the players. But by God, everyone's having fun with it. It might not be the time to step in and say, I'm sorry. I know you guys have been having fun for the last five minutes. but I'm going to put the kibosh on that. We're going to go back to this other thing and stop everybody's fun. So I love the fact that, you know, Seemed to be taking forever, but everyone saw how much fun they were having, so they rolled with it. I think that's I think that's important. When you're seeing people having a good time doing something, it might not necessarily be the time to squish everybody's fun. Again, where your mileage and results may vary, but I like that. I think that's pretty cool. Cool,
0: man. Thank you, Dan. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Over to you, sir. Time monger gets some time to email us on a few things here. He said, oh, Sean, Lord. please read this. I'm not sure why. Maybe he just likes my sultry tone. I don't see why I wouldn't. So he writes, hey, guys, I just wanted to say how much I've been enjoying you guys show as we've been isolated due to the virus. I have been going into work still because I work in shipping and receiving. I have a few pointers or suggestions or comments about the last few shows that have not been able to be able, have not been able to voice until now. So stay safe, Ty. Just yeah. Say that. Holy yeah. crap, dude. Yep. Due to the isolation, the group that I play with a lot online, and that's how I've been playing a lot lately, we've been playing a lot of different games or trying out different games to see if what is out there now that we have time to be able to give it the attention that it needs. Even though the system that got us all to play together online with Discord is ICRPG, so that's the index card RPG for those. That's right. Yeah. But one of, the games, uh, one of the games has been my favorite, of course, Fate. A little side note, Brett, I don't know why you've been keeping this a secret from everybody else, but Fate Condensed has come out on DriveThruRBG, Pay What You Want, and it's a great book dropping the page number from over 300 pages down to around 50 and has made a lot of improvements. Huh, interesting. may have to check that out. Want we'll to take a look at this. Yeah. Oh, he continues. Another system we've been trying out is the system made by Tiny d 6 We've been checking out their game systems, seeing if any of theirs are a good match for the group. We're even adventuring into making our own, which is a collage of a couple systems together. Uh, I think on average we're playing probably close to five to six games a week, about two to three hours per game. So basically, a lot of short campaign style one shots.
1: Huh? Interesting.
0: That's still a good amount. That's. Hey, I was
1: going to say, damn, good on you, man. Be able being able to get that much time to game. That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. Yeah, ten to eighteen hours. I think is my math. If
1: I. I don't do math.
0: If I math that correctly.
1: I, I wouldn't math that correctly, which is why I trust you. Carry on.
0: For turn order, we use ICRPG system where we make a rotation. Usually starting with the tank type of person, DPS types, damage per second, or strikers to non WoW players. I am a non WoW player. As am I. Brett it, are you, Brett it, I Brett don't plays play WOW. wow like every wow. day. But, yeah, uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. With my with my uh vertigo induced motion sickness from those type of games, that's
0: a lot of fun for me. Brett's WoW game is Wow. <laughs> ah, I feel better now. <laughs> Carry on. Uh, So he says, tank type of person and end in me as the healer, then the baddies end out of the rotation. Wherever we stop in rotation, we pick it back up on the next time we need to act in turn order. That rotation does not change through the game, but we do have an amendment to the rule. And that is if a person really feels that they want to do an action after somebody else, then for that rotation, we will make that adjustment. Then we will go back to that rotation that we used before from then on. Is that perfectly clear, Brett?
1: It makes sense. I, I remember back in the old days, I'll do a quick aside here. I <laughs> see when we play the AD&D with my high school crew, you roll your turn-based init- or side-based initiative. And when it was our turn, we'd be like, okay. And sometimes before the first D20 was rolled, like, what are we gonna do? It's a lich, it's a freet, whatever it is. We say, okay. The fighter does this first, then the cleric, then this, then the thief, and then finally the wizard mops him up. Done. In the next round, we might change that. We did have kind of a standard order of battle for older school games where we said always oh, this, 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 and leave the cleric at the end just in case somebody needed to be healed. Or sometimes we always had the cleric go first. I shouldn't say always. Sometimes we'd make the cleric go first, change that up because we wanted the cleric to go first in case somebody got hurt, was already hurt from the previous round. So then we'd have like a first round and second round and We were in high school. We made it more complicated than it needed to be. But I dig it. I like the idea.
0: Where did I lead off? Okay. Uh, um, This also helps. Ah, this also helps with the effect of not over-talking somebody and gives everybody a chance to have their speech. Hmm. I know how it can be difficult, especially if you're playing a certain character that likes to make comments about what has just happened, and that's their style of play. I myself play a particular character that loves to put in his flavor of how he likes to speak to everybody whenever somebody takes an action, but I try to keep it brief. Cool. On the topic of hidden roles by the GM, so the players do not know if the bad guys can hear them or a group is liking, uh, our group is liking the idea. We ha- just have not had a chance to try it out yet. We will get back to you on that one. But on opening a locked door, or chest, I see RPG uses a one heart, aka ten points. You have to end up with, uh, what you have to end up doing ten points of effort over time to open the chest, or to find the clue. As a GM, I like for my players to think of a different way of doing things. It makes it more interesting. I could go on for hours talking about RPGs, and I have in the past. So just think of this as part one of our <laughs> conversation. Time monger. Very nice. Time monger. And, and we'll
1: have a link in the show notes to the uh, Fate Condensed. Yes. A little, a little link out there for that. Yes, yes, okay. yes, yes, yes. Very cool. I think... Hmm. Anyway, no, there's there's some good stuff in there. I like that. That might actually spawn a show idea, too, if nothing else. Just on side-based oh. initiative. Hmm. Mm. There's, a, there's a thing I've... <coughs> excuse me. When we talked earlier about... Before we get into the main topic here, um, let's see here. We're in... Uh, He's talking about how many hours, five to six games a week. And one of the things I just had a chat with my two my youngest kids, AZ and Alana. we were talking about gaming. And this last weekend, we were going to do some gaming. The week before, we were going to get, like, the next phase of the 5e campaign. And uh, I was talking to him, and I said, look, I don't want to push you kids to game with me if you don't want to. And like, yeah, we get busy, and then we forget we were going to whatever. And then my lovely little daughter says, how about we just schedule it? What? What? They get busy. They're what? busy doing stuff, man. Ugh. <sighs> Like Elana will be FaceTiming her friends and drawing because she oh. loves drawing art and writing stories and doing stuff.
0: I suppose art. It. will cool.
1: be, you know, Connor, my oldest boy, will be have break from Air Force, so he'll be online with Connor. I'm not gonna say, <laughs> oh, don't don't play with your brother. He's on break from the Air Force. Which he gets is,
0: a break from Air Force.
1: Yeah, because every, <laughs> every once in a while he's got to get out of the chair, move to a different chair.
0: Oh, man. Ah,
1: I love you, Air Force guys. Air Force kid. guys, man. That's one of the only the only group I have more fun picking on. I've never been in it. <laughs> Is is uh, our uh, coast guards, coast guard guys? Oh
0: well, they're they're <laughs> not even. A, I mean, I usually don't run into those guys, so I don't have an opportunity. To I've met them a out.
1: couple. I've met a couple of coasties. They take it really well, but holy god, that's a tough bunch of bastards. Yeah, let me tell it's ya. a tough job. Anyway, um, I like to. I give my son shit for it too. Anyhow, point is, is I'm not going to drag AJ and Connor away from having some brother time. You know,
0: oh, I sp- we'll have brother time together in a dungeon. See,
1: that's what we're going to do. So every Wednesday after dinner, we're going to play. Something. Yeah. And wow. the kids were like, oh, but I wanted to run. Oh, I'm just uh, my campaign's not ready. I said, don't worry. So, do you see that shelf of shit behind me? I'm like, oh, yeah, you have a lot of games. <laughs> exactly. I ever play uh, Call of Cthulhu, Trailer Cthulhu? Oh, Atlanta said, I've never played a Cthulhu game. Oh, I'd really like to. And the AJ, wise young 14 year old boy, says, you know, we need to expand our horizons oh. and play some more games. So, when we want to design our own games, we'll have experience with other systems. Yeah, mm-hmm. So I feel like I did something right there. I feel like I did something right. Yeah.
0: There's there's hope for those kids.
1: Yeah, there and is. And you, Brett. Eh, maybe. <laughs> ah, I'm, I'm, I'm gone. There's nothing you can do for me. But the huh? kids. The kids have a chance. So
0: that's good. They're the future. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on. All right, let's get into the main topic, man. What the hell are we talking about? Gapers, hey, creepers. All right. <laughs> All right, Brett.
1: So, Sean came up with this thing.
0: I stole <laughs> it from another podcast. Who is that, Sean? I stole it from Hobbs. Hobbs and friends of the OSR? I did. So, he you know, he can strut around and he could be like, eh, yeah, see, see? That was but, my thing. Yeah, that was my thing. We hit you him in Thaddeus, Thaddeus Moore. So, I believe that
1: <laughs> Sean gave me this one. He goes, hey, in D&D 5E, what does a short bow, spear,
0: javelin, trident, and hand crossbow all have in common? And that's right, kids. They all do the same amount of damage. They all do the same damage. So I was going to list a bunch of them that were like, oh, they all will do 1d6. And then somebody would say, oh, but this one does bludgeoning. This one does slashing. This one does piercing. Uh-huh. These are all piercing. And they yeah. all do the same damage.
1: Yeah. So why do we, in certain games, have such detail for weapon types to all do the same damage? I know. they're. I know. That I know that there are some games that are that do chunk things out into damage ranges or damage classes. And there are other games that um, get even more nitty-gritty. A 9 millimeter fired out of a carbine does more damage than a 9 millimeter fired out of a pistol, which is true. Because there's more power in it because of feet. Per- anyway, barrel length and blah, blah, blah. Sean, you say you have an answer. What's the answer? Wankery! Wankery. <laughs> Am I right? They win a prize? <laughs> I think there's a bit of wankery involved, but I think the other component is that we've talked about this ages and ages past, um, way early in the podcast, God, I think. How long have I been doing this, Sean? Five years? Six years?
0: Oh, you know, it's give or take a few months, I think, now. All right.
1: So wonder, 200 and a couple months. Almost 300 episodes later. When I was a kid in First Edition AD, or anything, you grabbed a longsword, sword. Because you rapidly found out in my campaigns I played in that long swords—that's where the magic was at—and you needed to get magic weapons, and it was easier to find magic swords than it was to find magic plus two maces or warhammers or axes. So you could have a dwarf. You'd be like, "Wow, I have a dwarf with an axe. This would be fucking awesome!" Just like, "Oh, I have a same stupid axe I've had forever," and the other guys all have plus three. Swords that are plus two against flaming creatures and, all right, fine, fuck it, I'll take a long sword. (laughs) Right? It just became, you wanted to have a certain type of weapon because you you wanted to up your chances of getting better kit. And certain weapons way back in the day against different armor class types, and we're talking AD&D history here, did more damage against light armor or heavy armor or chainmailer had different speed factors. And there's tons of different things all kind of mishmashed together to make one weapon potentially better in someone's hands than another. And then Sean, I think there came weapon specialization and focus. I wanted to specialize and be really good with a weapon. Well, was it all swords? Then you would get like a, a broad area of you know edged weapons, then it was swords, then it was two-handed swords, and it was two-handed great swords. Which I think goes back to wankery. <laughs> it, gets, it gets almost... It's odd. In, We almost become noodly for the sake of noodly. So, Sean, is there something that you look at this and you say, I think that's stupid. Avant with all of that. Just give me a damage
0: type. Who gives a fuck what kind of weapon I have? When I grew up, I always picked the one with the most damage if I could. So a two-handed sword was always something I was... Whipping around.
1: Is that because you didn't realize that the um the bastard sword actually did more minimum and damage? What,
0: it could have been met bastard sword too. I don't remember, but it was always I always picked the one based on damage. And it did
1: d10 and three d6 against larger than man size.
0: Yeah. Well, and the problem was that we never used like weapon speed and all that other stuff that's supposed to. Why compensate. would you? That right. stuff's annoying. Yeah. I mean I could whip around <laughs> a long sword just as easy as a two handed sword, right? Yeah, and if you were uh, human size but you had tw- but
1: somehow you got twenty strength, you use that two handed sword one handed, right? Right, GM? Yeah. I mean, it always stands to reason. <laughs>
0: so, we did some dumb shit, man. Um so so you bring this, It was you, always should... it was always like the the damn like what oh, what is the most effective thing? Like why would I why would I equip myself with a dagger unless I needed something small or if I lost I always picked a dagger or something else because if, if I lost the sword, at least I'd have something. You know, I'll tell you, one of the things I like about, I believe,
1: I'm going back to my Delta Green in my head right now. I don't have my book in front of me, but I know World of Darkness does this. Delta Green has done this where, hey, it's a submachine gun of this type. and It will list, oh, a 5.56223, five, a 7.62, a this, a this, a this, or this. They all do this type of damage. Oh, and some examples are a Beretta, blah, 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 blah. blah. Oh, long rifles. That includes an M1. M1 Garand includes this and this. We'll give you examples within a range. I have had in the past a noodly argument with somebody who said, well, technically an AK-47 does slightly more damage. If you look at the pounds per square foot uh, on the blah, blah, I'm like, oh, my God, you have memorized a ballistics chart." I don't know if I want to play this game with you. Um, but I love that idea of where you have a damage class. and say within this class of like... And at D&D 5, he kind of does this like simple martial, you know, as weapon chunks. And then within it are different components. But I, I kind of like the idea, especially when it comes to guns. I kind of give a pass for some reason. Maybe it's my predilection to enjoying the newliness of... Daggers versus poniards versus chinquadea daggers versus whatever um kind of neat but when it comes to guns I really don't want to sit down and have an argument over whether the 357 in snub nose has the same killing effectiveness as a 357 in a six inch barrel past 50 yards blah 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 that's like inconsequential annoying to me so games that bucketize up that type of thing? I totally I
0: totally dig that. Yeah, and it yeah, let the players come up with the whatever they want to be. Hey, I got a in the game pistol. 1d6, 1d10, 1 to 12, whatever. Gumshoe, dude. Gumshoe. It's yeah. like big guns, small
1: guns, stuff that stabs things, you know, things that smack things. It, it's that type of and they have examples. Yeah. This is a 45 ACP. This is a 25 ACP. This is a, you know, 030 6 hunting rifle. This is a bigger bore gun. Cool. <coughs> However, in your fantasy, for some reason, we like long sword, short sword, pole arm. What type of pole arm? Oh my God! Look at your own earth arcana, kids. Um, <laughs> a falchard, a falchard fork, uh, <laughs> a partisan, this or that. We really like to get noodly with some of the bits and pieces, and I know there are there are technical games out there with uh, the high tech stuff. Um, and high tech, I shouldn't even say. You Not know, like modern weapons are necessarily high tech per se, but in some of the sci fi games I've played, it's been a while. God, it's been a while. Um, I'd have to dig out a couple of them. But I remember in uh, Star Frontiers you had um, gyrojets, you had needlers, you had. Um, laser rifles you had goss rifles you had <clears throat> different types but it was all based on a type of projectile weapon right yeah stun baton uh basically whatever their unlicensed version of a, of a lightsaber was that 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 a gyrojet rifle a slug thrower or this or that or whatever but it's still like group i didn't get too noodly, but for some reason man in our fantasy games we want to Do you remember back in the day? I think it was Second Edition. You had flight arrows and sheaf arrows and hunting arrows.
0: Vaguely, Second Edition. Yeah, Second Edition wasn't. I didn't play for that. Play that for very long, but I do remember some of those. Oh man, I remember getting the
1: sumless black books and some of the pieces and parts, and I'd make an archer ranger somewhere, and I would go, "Okay, I have fifteen sheaf arrows, sixteen hunting arrows. This type of this. Oh, is he heavily armored? Oh, excellent." Twang. Ah, these do D ten against a heavily armored opponent. <laughs> what the fuck?
0: <laughs> I think five E is less this.
1: Because Well, they
0: differentiate the weapons now by type, like bludgeoning, mm-hmm. piercing, slashing. So those those classifications allow you to accomplish different things depending on what you're fighting. It
1: feels less noodly than older editions of that game.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe, I guess, depending on how you define noodly.
1: <laughs> well, I guess, so, let me think about this. So, if you're proficient in, if I remember remembering myself correctly, certain games would say, are you proficient in swords? Well, yes. Well, you can't be possibly proficient in all swords. Are they long swords, two-handed swords, short swords, falchions, which includes kopesh, which includes scimitar, which includes saber? Oh, my fucking God. It could get crazy. So you'd have ranges of weapons and so forth that you would be proficient in. And you would want to kind of kit yourself in a certain way. So you could have like double or triple proficiencies, I believe, through some of the Unearthed Arcana stuff back in the ancient days. And if you had a long sword, you could be just a motherfucking death on two legs with that thing. So when you came across the two-handed Holy Avenger, your paladin, or whomever it was, who like was like uber super specialized in the long sword, came across the plus five Vorpal two-handed sword. You went, oh, geez, I don't know. I'm really not that proficient in it. Uh, nah, I don't want it. <laughs> you, yeah. were, you were hunting for a very specific item. In those old games, man, gear, we've talked about this before. Gear made the man. They made the adventurer, I should say. You had to go into the dungeon. To find the plus two mace because you needed that, because in the next dungeon you had to fight the creature that could only be hit by plus two or better weapons. <clears throat> you don't need that in 5e. No. So I think 5e's gotten a little bit better as far as not quite so newly, but So Sean, you brought this up. Now I'm ta- doing all the talking here, but what makes you what made you want to talk about this? You think this is like this is just dumb and stupid, and how come it's not just I hit him with my bludgeoning weapon. I pull forth. I draw out my piercing weapon and stab him. Boy, that sounds kind of stupid.
0: Well, taking a lesson from folks that play the the older games mm-hmm. like BX, old school essentials, um, anything derived from some of those those that era. Got it. The one thing that Thaddeus and and Hobbs were talking about, and and Thaddeus specifically, kind of spearheaded this, was if you have a if you have a sword and that does one d six, and you have a hand axe and that does one d six, why one d six? Why would you choose one over the other? Now, one would say, "Well, it matches my panache. I need yeah, style. It's,
1: this is my idiom. that's my thing. Like I'm yeah. a hand
0: axe guy. Or, you know, I'm hand axe woman.
1: Okay. Yeah, I want to be fought. He had uh, he had a broadsword in one hand and a hand axe in the other. That's
0: my gig. Right. However, mm-hmm. one of the things that I don't think. Uh, and this is what they mentioned, too, is that the Game Master doesn't enforce the differences between the two, right? Physical oh. differences. <clears throat> You're going into a dungeon. The dungeon cavern walls are three feet wide. Well, I got a two-handed sword because that's what I fight with. Yeah, two-handed sword.
1: In a it's f- clearly, I can swing in the cobalt <laughs> warrants, can't I? I mean, well, I just stab with it.
0: It's totally fine, right? Yeah. That's exactly it. Like you're going you're wielding them it can be wielded differently. And so when you go oh shit I'm going into this environment there's no way I'm going to be able to pull out my my sword or my javelin and have it be effective or or I'm not going to be able to yeah uh, basically brandish it in a way that's where an axe I could go So if somebody says all right Sean your character's in the dungeon. The corridors are five foot wide. It's dark. And you carry a, a two-handed sword. Sounds good.
1: And the and the roof is only six feet high at high highest dome
0: break. Yeah. And a wandering monster comes down, and you're like, great. Roll for initiative. All right. I take out my two-handed sword. And then the game master's like, no way. You're not going to wield. It hits yeah. the ceiling. Yeah. So you move it, and whatever penalty the game master wants to— Inflict right? Maybe it's disadvantage. Maybe it's there's no way you're going to be able to effectively, or it's all half damage. Maybe you attack and you hit, but all the damage is half because you can't get the big swing that you need with a two handed sword.
1: Suboptimal, right? You're using the weapon in the suboptimal way. Right
0: now, if you take an axe or a dagger, well, a da- well, dagger is going to be less damage anyway. But if you take an axe say, with the same amount, same damage, uh, assuming it's the same damage. And it's smaller and you can wield it with one hand and you're like, whack, whack, whack like this. That's a whole different ballgame. Now you're effective. Now you're doing full damage. You know, uh, so some of the penalties that we think about um, inflicting based on the environment and what the person's using as a weapon actually matters. So when I go, when I go adventuring, do I want that big honking sword? Well, sure, if I'm out on the field of battle.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. We, I remember playing Warhammer fantasy roleplay first edition, and I um, come up with a dwarf character. And you're rolling through the, the different, uh, you get professions within this game that you advance through professions and move your way on. That's how you advance up. And there's a dwarf and tunnel fighter. I'm Like, Oh, that's fucking cool. Uh, he comes with a short sword. I'm like, What the fuck? He's a dwarf. Where's his axe? This is dumb. Why would I want a short sword? Why wouldn't he have an axe? And my game master at the time, I cannot remember, I think it was Chad Wetterneck I have, Jesus Christ, where the hell did that name come from? But it was Chad. Chad's running this game. He goes, Brett, tunnel fighting. It's close quarters combat, man. You can't swing a big axe in here because you're down in the tunnels fighting the goblins, the kobolds, these tight, windy warrens. You don't have the space to wield that. An axe is a, is a miner's tool, right? That's the hammer and the pick that the dwarves are used to using. That's open warfare, man. I'm like, oh, yeah. Fuck me. Yeah, you're right. And then I think about the time when my ranger went in 2nd edition to go take out a kobold warrant single-handedly, because I'm in high school and I'm a fucking idiot. And I think about doing this. My game master, Schaefer, and I, Eric, and I talk about this, and Schaefer's like, no, dude, you can't. Oh, you're a composite longbow not going to be used in there. Go, yeah, you're right. So it's like daggers and short swords are re-kitted, my dude, so I could go in there and take the fight to the enemy. I think about... The, uh, the military games that I've played, the Delta Green games or whatever. When I ran Delta Green this last time. My buddy Nick, ex, ex-army guy, we were talking about different things. He goes, hey, I'm telling you right now, we're going to go clear a house. You're not taking that gun. He pointed at Zave's character. He's like, why? He goes, that's a, <laughs> that's a sniper rifle. You're not, carrying, <laughs> you're not carrying that long gun as we clean rooms. He said, I have cleaned rooms. That's going to get in the way. Stay back in a fucking truck if that's what you're going to bring with you. If you don't have any goddamn common sense, here's a 1911. Shut up. I'm like, oh, you know, I know this. I was ready to inflict some penalties. But, you know, Sean, I think that is is on a damn good point, as are you. That to if you're going to get noodly on this, the Game Master, it's almost not incumbent, but it, you want to add some flair, some flavor, make it matter, right? You've got to have the terrain, the environment, make you need a different weapon. I yeah. like
0: that. And some people might get a little perturbed at, you know, it, it, some may equate it to something like encumbrance or keeping track of your arrows or keeping track of ammo or how, how nuanced do you want to get in your game. But it is something. Otherwise, just have weapon. Weapon, yeah. 1D6. You tell me what type of weapon it is. Oh, I carry a sword. I carry an axe. Like, then it shouldn't matter what it is. I carry a water balloon. It does 1D6. All so right. here,
1: I just I just found it. Unearthed Arcana, first edition AD&D, on page 27. It has a length, has a weapon type, hand weapon. You know, it's got weapon types, atlatls, axes, whatever. A length, space required, then speed factor and armor class adjustments. The space required... Is something we don't talk about, and that's exactly what you're getting at here. It's like, hey, short sword space required one foot. Kopesh, four feet. A whip, eight to twenty feet. You're not using a whip down here in the Cobalt Warrens, kids.
0: No space for that. What is this one a sword two handed six feet? Now, when they talk about that, Brett, do they do, do they mention whether it's radius, like all the way around a person? Um, or- I'm
1: just I'm just grabbing it. Right yeah. at the top, but I would assume it would be all around the per. You'd need six feet of space to wield this goddamn thing effectively. So,
0: one, one could argue, like a whip, if it's eight feet, you just need it to go backwards and forward. So, I've messed around with whips personally. And they, if you watch a
1: whip practitioner, they zing around your head, sure. watch the Indiana Jones movie. Yeah. It's not a straight line, dude. It comes sideways, it comes out and around all over the place.
0: Yes, Use but one could set- say, but I'm only doing this, I'm going front to back. It's yeah, no, like up saying and a staff,
1: all I'm doing is poking with my with my quarter staff. No, that's not how you fight with a quarter staff. True. That's not, that's not how you, and the, the thing of the, the space required is like, look
0: To be effective space,
1: To be effective, yeah. you need this much space If you want to sub-optimize it and only use your staff to stab like a spear, and only use your whip and this little goofy ass underhanded whack and only use your two-handed sword to stab and punch with a pommel Right. Guess what? D6 damage, kids. Yeah, then you're a not min- doing, a minus to hit. You're yeah, yeah. Do le- or not a minus to hit, even just less damage because yeah. it's less effective.
0: Right. I like the idea. Yeah, we I don't really do. we don't get into noodly stuff. It's it's a it's a very different type of game nowadays. And I don't know even back then whether we really we really didn't practice it that way. But I think it had to do with just uh, I don't know being 12 years old. But well, I think like I said, I
1: I've encountered it a little bit, very little bit. Yeah. Um, but I, I remember them and I'm 47 now. So they, they stuck with me enough that I remember those adventures and those exploits of those characters. And part of the things that I remember about them was I carried all this different gear with me or my character had access to different stuff based on the need. And that actually, especially after my, my Ranger with a kobold thing, I specifically would carry... You know, we, we're getting magic items left, right, and center when the frat realm's doing our thing. And I would, you know, greedily take the plus three dagger. So I was like, why? You don't even use a dagger. Dude, tight quarters? I I can't use my scimitar. I need a dagger. I, I If we get caught in a narrow corridor, like we're just squeezing through, I don't have room to pull out my blade. I can't use my long bone here. I want a trusty magical dagger I can use in this tight six-inch <laughs> wide space I'm stuck in, you know, or whatever the case is. I wonder how much. I guess there's no reason you can't implement it in a five E game or any game for that matter. You know, if it's your sniper character has this big Barrett 50 cal bipod mounted anti vehicle, anti anti everything from an aircraft carrier to a to a you know gazelle, it'll kill anything. There's no reason you can't say, dude. You, one, you can't conceal that under your trench coat. Good luck, kid. And two. That's not a room-clearing weapon. You, you, you cannot bring that to bear. Maybe there's such a thing as, um, even if you don't limit damage, like for a uh, for a modern weapon or a space weapon, like lasers or whatever, you uh, fuck up their initiative. Look, you go last. Your uh, Or your skill is, your two-hit suffers greatly because, sure, you go quick, but you've got to hoist... This ten, fifteen, however many pound weapon up to your shoulder to fire it. While you are shoot from the hip. Okay, no aiming. All your sniper stuff is gone. It's a shingle shot kaboom. You know, huh? Is this something you want to do? Do you think you want to pull this into your next game?
0: I, th- <sighs> uh, I wouldn't. Well, maybe my next game. It depends. I would probably do it for more of an OSR based game. I don't know if I would do it for Five E. Um, necessarily, li-
1: but in my Avalon games, because it's a city-based game and the way I describe it and when I outfit pre-gens and stuff, I'm like, look, you don't have two-handed swords. No one has long swords or they have a pike because they were, uh, an ex-Griffin, the city guard or something, or maybe they have a long sword, but I kit the characters out specifically so that they're city ready CQC close quarters combat stuff. You're not in an open field. You don't carry a lance with you. Your cavalier doesn't drag his lance into the dungeon to go fight the Beholder. You just don't fucking do that. You know? And because Avalon, from a setting perspective, it doesn't make sense for people to walk around with two-handed weapons. One, without getting questioned, like, what the fuck are you carrying that for? Um, but two, it's just unwieldy in the area. So that, that helps to stop people. But I think... Um, like, this is one of those pieces that it might be difficult to implement mid-game.
0: Right? I think yeah. you could do it.
1: In, I think you could do
0: it in 5e or any game really. I wouldn't I wouldn't do it mid-game. And I the reason I would do it OSR style is because there's less amount of First of all, there's a, it's very susceptible to more home ruling, ah, house okay. rules. Okay. And I, it's more I always picture some of the older school games as more, I don't know if ethereal would be more the word I'm looking for, but it's, there isn't a lot of, well, there's isn't a ton of, it's not a skill list, right? Mm-hmm. So I think there's elements of it that you put into place. Like you could say, all right, food's going to be a factor. Like, I don't think a lot of 5e games, like, I mean, do you know how long, I mean, okay. So they have an artifact, the two of Annihilation that produces water, but you know how long it's been since my adventuring... <laughs> My players have sat and eaten, and wondered like they've been wandering around in a jungle for probably forty-five days at this point. Well, that's and, your fault, as game master. Well, maybe, I'm, unless, I'm, but you have to so, kind of set the expectations. Like, okay, exactly. here's the that, deal. That's what I'm saying. He's like right? it's, it's hard to yeah. bring
1: it in. So Alpha in our Undermountain game. Yeah. Every every Thursday, we get there. Every time there's a long rest, mark off of food. Mark off of food. Yeah, food and water. You've yeah. lost a you've lost a day. You've lost a day. You lost a day. Yeah, and uh, I would be
0: interested to know how many BSers out there do that in a five E game. Strictly. We're only
1: do, we're only doing it because Alpha reminds us because we're not
0: used to doing it. Right? It's and always hand what, wavy because it's always a backseat. You want to talk about the story? You want about the adventure and the NPCs and like the treasure or you know what the quest or whatever that is and. You know, yeah, that El- goes Elfa back to like, to I don't want to take, I don't want to yeah. keep track of encumbrance and all that. How other many effect. arrows I have right. and so on. Yeah. Alpha's doing
1: this specifically. He said, I want you to explore and so forth. Right. <clears throat> excuse me, but be worried that maybe you've gone too far if you don't have enough stuff. Sure. <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so I'm like, yeah, fuck. So we've been mapping like crazy. My character's got, I came down, I built my dude. He's a... Uh, He's a rogue, um, arcane trickster type, mapper, sage background, blah. I'm trying to keep track of every sh- all this shit because we're going to have to get back somewhere. <clears throat> and wherever we can, I'm like, I take the food. I do this. I pick this up. Is that edible? I take this. I take that. And I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, <laughs> says Lenny. We should probably pick up all the food we can. I'm like, yeah, because it, all it's going to take is for us to overextend ourselves too many days one way. And if one of us doesn't have a crate food and water spell, we are so fucked. We're gonna die down here. We're starved to death. And elf has started at the beginning, like keep track of this, right? And I think that's one of those pieces where yes, we as players should be helping our game master remember that, but it's a piece that's game master. I think you need to help remind the players because unless it's been forefront in your gaming. It's you're right. It's totally hand wavy, dude. Absolutely hand wavy. There
0: is so much stuff that we hand wave. I mean it just it just happens. Like I, I've watched live streams and not a not a ton of AP for a very long length of time. Because you could you could join you could watch a video, an actual play on Twitch and it could be three hours of dialogue and, and it doesn't progress to a point where it's like, okay, combat or or time to eat. Well, I would be, can be like I can't remember the last plus. time I I've ever seen any of that or heard it. Yeah. But OSR in older school games, I would probably want to set that premise up front because because you're not relying on skills, you're not relying on my character sheet and it's not going into I I think it's just a different mindset that all of a sudden you're kind of more resource intensive. And based on the resources that drives adventure, like, you know, I'm sure Hobbs has people wandering around an island because they want to make sure they get berries from this bush.
1: Well, you do not have class-based skills like never-ending cantrips
0: Mm -hmm.
1: in 5e, which, I mean, again, I think 5e is a great game. Don't get me wrong. Sure. But it's a different type of game deep exploration and survival and stuff i think is harder in 5e and it isn't some of the other ones you need to explore certain areas because if you want to go defeat the lich king who's causing trouble or i use the terrible who's pushing down into the free lands of greyhawk um you better go get more than that Broadsword, you started with, because you can't fight the demons he's bringing with him. You need other stuff. It's not easy to make, and it can't just buy it, you know. And I think you're right because it's, and you have this opportunity then when you're playing and you want to introduce this the first time, is you know, so Ange's character is the the burly warrior, and they're ready to go into the goblin caves. It's it's, you can do the game master fiat thing to a point and say, well, Ange, you're a warrior. You know, you're first level, but you're still, you're trained. You know what you're getting into. You look at this cave, and you look over your side, and you see that cavalier, and you're like, that lance stays outside. There's no room for that. Yeah. And he goes, yeah. Sean's right. Brett, you got to leave. Oh, yeah, but oh, oh, yeah, you're right. You're really, little horse, what's the use of the lance? And then she looks over to the elven longbowman. There's no room for that longbow in the, in the dungeons. Ah, huh, uh, shit, says the elven ranger. I need to put that aside. Rely on my longsword. Yes, yes, you do. And, and vice versa. When they when you go out to the wilderness, the rangers should be looking around to the group of the barbarians saying, Paladin, <laughs> if I were you, I'd invest in some leather armor. What? Take off my family, Crest? Yeah, it's the desert. You dumb shit. You're carrying plate mail? <laughs> water. Water would be what you should carry.
0: Put that on the camel. Carry your weight in water. Carry your armor's weight in water. And then yeah. talk to me. That's one thing I did with Jeff's Jeff's son plays with us on occasion, and he always plays the Paladin. And he he's all, he's like
1: ah kids Can't like stand dad them.
0: and he's just like a, a chip, chip off the, off the off old, the old block. block yeah totally and and he's always you know anyways but he what armor are you wearing plate plate mail I'm like I'll take a level of exhaustion hour goes by take another level of exhaustion. By this time, he's like disadvantaged, and he's one way, you know, one point away from being dehydrated. Because you can exhaust yourself
1: to death in five E. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: that's good. Yeah,
1: and I mean, you could do this a similar thing mechanic wise in five E in the dungeon if you insist on using an unwieldy weapon down there. It will tire you out. It's not meant to be used this way. You can penalize, if you will. You could give people exhaustion.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's kind of the thing too. Is if you have different weapons. And you say, well, you can't take the longbow into the cave. Well,
1: you can't use it effectively. You can't so, use it
0: effectively in the cave, so what else are you going to use? Well, I'll use this. Well, you're not proficient in it. That's the rub, right? Yeah. I used to, like, oh, I can't. We oh, You come across the cache, right? Yes. Brett, it's like, all right, what do we get? Oh, well, there's a dagger. Don't want it. Okay, there's a short sword ah, uh, I'm not proficient in short sword, don't want it, because it's a minus two or minus four to yeah. use.
1: 15,000 copper pieces, don't want it. Don't want it.
0: But yeah. all of a sudden you're like, well, I'll take it just in case I lose my weapon or mm-hmm. breaks, right? Oh, you break your long sword, you run into a rust monster. Wow, now I got this short sword. Then you get into comment and you're like, shit, minus two, I can't hit crap. Why? Because I'm not proficient in a freaking short sword, you yell at the party, because yeah. they're wondering why you can't hit crap as a fighter. So it's like some of these things that we we I, th- I personally have lost over the years. I just have for some reason. I, and I think it's the different games I played.
1: Yeah, and I think in D anD D the proficiency component of it and making somebody making a character whose thing was a weapon, and maybe that's not the the source of the evil, but it's it may well be part of that source. Right, where like, look, I'm not going to carry anything other than long swords because that's all I'm good at. I spent my whole life mastering longsword. I distinctly remember play, watching a friend of mine do that, and I would generalize whatever, and i just use whatever. Sure, so-and-so with his crazy-ass longshore would get plus god-awful knows what to hit and plus another god-awful plus 10 for damage, but I could use anything that we fucking came across. And I found that utility was awesome. And there's a cool thing about removing that and saying, look, I'm proficient with martial, simple, range, or whatever. Say, oh, I'm proficient with ranged weapons. That's cool. You know what? I'm gonna get, a, I'm going to get a, a light crossbow because we're in the dungeons in these dwarven corridors. I bet you that's gonna be more effective. Or I'm gonna buy a short bow. It makes more sense. I don't have a long bow. Do a short bow. A little bit of a different draw. Not quite as powerful. But hey, I'm not shooting past fifty feet. Fuck it. That's perfect. I think there's the um, other <clears> thing that some of the. How do I do this? I think the other component of this too is that if you, mechanically speaking, a player who's character's playing smart you know the player's playing smart for the character we have uh, things like advantage you can give to people you can give inspiration so when the player tells you in 5e or any game that you have a benny you can throw out at them in savage Worlds says look i take my plate mill off i put it on the i put it on the pack mule i leave it in town i'm wearing my lighter chain mail why are you doing that Going down the dungeons, man, I don't need that heavy, clanky shit. It's, un- it's unwieldy. It's stiff. I can't sleep in that armor. I'll get ringworm, for God's sakes. It's uncomfortable. Fuck that. At least chain I like, doff doff it twice as fast and so forth. You go, ah, yes, wise player. Throw him a Benny. Give him a point of inspiration. If you tell people, hey, it's going to be cramped over, hey, that armor, you could have some, well, I won't lose that. Oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. Okay, that's effectively, quote-unquote, stupid play. Fine, you'll deal with what you deal with. Because in the old school games, your reward was you could work, <laughs> you know, because you would come up to stuff like, hey, you can't use your two-handed sword in here. Oh, but I specialized in the um Fautured Fork with the to Corbin as my backup. Yeah, you can't use it. It's a, oh,
0: yeah. Bad design. No no soup for you. <laughs> well, and and part of this is. Explaining that, right? You can't. Yeah, you don't. You, you don't, you don't want a character that. to like. Yeah, you don't want a player to to create a character and they have this vision in their head, and then you come along and go, "Yeah, you're never gonna. You can't do a wield. Like, it's just you're never gonna have the opportunity because I'm gonna put you in a dungeon, or or you don't do that, and then they you everything you pitch at them limits their build. Well, you we some tell kind, somebody, right? hey,
1: you know what a really good spear is in first edition? It's an all pike, an A W L pike? It's right. this awesome. Blah blah blah. And then you forget to remind them that it's, you know, eighteen feet long. It <laughs> eight, only requires one 18. foot to it only requires one foot to use it's definitely just it's just a thrusting spear type of thing. You're dragging an eight foot teen an eight foot teen. An eighteen foot eight foot. Teen, that's a new measurement. See, eight, that's foot teen. eight foot. Teen. You're dragging this fucking thing to a dungeon? Are you kidding me? Well, I'm gonna bring my lance with me because I don't want anybody to steal it. It's fourteen feet long, jackass. Well, yeah, but someone might steal. You're gonna lug a goddamn six by six. Yeah, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Yeah, yeah, I think, um, I think it's worth looking at, dude. And a lot of t- the last few times I've run, I've run D and D five e or Pathfinder or whatever for my home group, or even when I've run a gaming convention with five e, it's been in Avalon. And the city-based characters have been pre-gens. Everybody's, oh, it's a city base, And I think sometimes the setting causes people to pick stuff that fits the setting. Because they ask me questions. Can I have a two-handed sword? Well, you're going to get look askance from the city guard. Yeah, good point. I don't want the attention. I'll go down to a broad sword. I'll do that instead. Okay, that makes more sense. You can get away with that. And the last times I ran like a big outside-y kind of a massive campaign, it was very much travel all over the place. It didn't matter. It really didn't seem to matter but i think um i think we're gonna make this matter next time dude i like this idea even if it's not an old school game just bringing it out saying hey look you know gear yourself appropriately
0: so i think we kind of wandered around a little bit with kind of the styles of play with different games which is weird because we don't normally do that yeah but i think the, the the weapon thing was the big piece? I I hope it was. I know we kind of well, I, Yeah,
1: you know. And just to, to close on it, we talked about this a little bit with your your space game and your modern game, whatever. Somebody who's specialized, you know, heavy inter, infantry weapons, small arms, right? Yep. You know, long guns,
0: good enough, right? You know, if They'll you know let the to, player make up what it is. I mean, if they're yeah. you know like Brett, he's going to give you the nomenclature and all this other crap, and if he likes that shit, well, great. Yeah, I mean, if somebody goes, look, I want M1 Grand because I really like the ping noise
1: it makes when the stripper clip pops out the top. O- okay, good for you. Right. And somebody else says, well, I'll just take an, uh, an A- M16 A1 design because fuck it, I uh, I don't want to deal with that. Whatever. Whatever. Doesn't much matter if the damage is the same. The rest of it's just uh, just flavor. Cool. Awesome.
0: So so let's know what, you guys, let's yeah. know what you guys. Think people. Yeah, let us know what you think. Let us know if you adhere to some of these things, and we just don't know about it. Uh, be interested, so. Yeah, cool hey. stuff, man. Yeah. Thanks, Dirtless, for subscribing, buddy. Um, let's get into die roll. Let's do it. All right. Two to four miscellaneous points of gaming and geekery you want to share with you. Got three this week, pretty limited. First one, Discord now offers video. Newsflash, this is making its way around Twitch Mm. and Discord. Brett, we can actually do video on Discord if we wanted to ditch Zoom. Holy crap. Yeah, yeah. I just
1: just bought Zoom.
0: Dicks. And I don't know how many, I haven't seen how many video at one time it supports. Like, Zoom does a lot.
1: Yeah, I mean, and the only reason I bought Zoom, and I know... (laughs) I know Zoom has a security uh, issues. People have been porn porn bombed, I shit you not, by Zoom. Yep. I haven't had that problem yet. Which, and my crew would be like, oh, that's fucking annoying. Click, start over. (laughs) Just move on, keep it rolling. Yeah.
0: Uh, Oh, it looks like 10 video channels. uh, Not bad. show mentioned, but is that how many video, like people can you see at one point would be my question. I don't know if that's the same. 10. Ten. That's that's a lot. Ten people. That is Ten video. Yeah.
1: It, you know, honestly, it was only a matter of time because, especially now, with the video being more and more popular, I mean, Discord had to come up with that eventually. I'm willing to bet that was in the works for a while, and they, somebody said, "Fast track that shit." Fast track that shit. Yeah. And they uh, it went. Cool. Um, Very cool.
0: Second one came across Beyond Twenty, which is a bot for Discord. Um, we've got it installed on our Discord channel. It does take some, you know, you got to get a key, and then you got to input the key in a place, and then you got to get the extension into your browser, and that extension requires a key. Well, that seems that easy. way, it brings kind of both together. But it'll, it's a D and D beyond, kind of in, quote unquote integration into virtual tabletops, so you could actually. Take your DD Beyond. I think if you do a roll in that app, it will show up in Discord if everybody's kind of playing in the Discord chat type oh, neat. of thing. Yeah. Okay. And I think you could actually do it to roll 20, but you can't do both. You have to choose one or the <coughs> other.
1: Mm.
0: But it's just uh, something along those lines. Uh, let's see. Last one. This is going to come out a little late because it's, as of this recording, only has three days. One of the guys posted this. Shoot, I forgot about who did that. I'll have to check quick and see if Zachary? I can. No, 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 die roll. Hold oh, on. Oh,
1: you're talking about that. <clears throat> so this is a Teacher Gamer Handbook on Indiegogo?
0: Carl D. posted it in our Discord where Teacher Gamer Handbook is the title of the product. It's on Indiegogo. It's written by Zachary Resnicek. And it's a book that, Teaches teachers how to implement role playing games into kind of a curriculum.
1: Yeah, th- bringing role playing games to the classroom is a tagline here. Thirty six life skills developed with a tabletop curriculum. Yeah, interesting. This sounds like something that you know our good buddy Paris down in Australia. I don't know if uh, if he still listens to us or has has had a chance to lately, but uh, the monger. Well. He's been doing a lot of this type of thing. It just seems like it'd be totally right up his alley.
0: Yeah. The, well, Kojo. Yeah, Kojo too. Yeah, He's, he's the teacher. So the only the, the thing is, is that it's it's a great idea. It's on Indiegogo, but it's you have to find teachers that are gamers or teachers that want to be gamers. So I think that's why it's, it's not funded yet to the maximum. Indiegogo, I don't know if it requires full funding. To to actually launch the project, this is a
1: flexible goal. It says they're at 28% of an $18,000 flexible goal, three days left as of today, the 20th. Yeah, that's a flexible goal. KPM will receive all funds raised even if it does not reach its funding goal. So, it will receive, so if it doesn't make the 18 k they keep your money, it will still get the funds to keep the motor running, as it were. On this one, yeah,
0: yeah, it's a little different than Kickstarter and it's international or. Kickstarter, somewhat international, Indiegogo, I think, has a greater scope internationally. But hey, regardless, it, it's coming up short on their funding goal, but it's, man, what a great idea, definitely. Uh,
1: well, so I've not watched a lot of Indiegogo stuff, Sean. I, I don't know if you've played with it more, but sometimes with <clears throat> see me, with these um, crowdfunding sourcing pieces, if you get in it after the fact, you're like, oh, this is cool. Can I still donate? Sometimes they have options. So if you read through this uh, this Indiegogo campaign by Zachary, and you're like, "Oh man, that sounds fucking cool." I mean, I'm not going to tell you what to do, but if you're like, "Hey, you want to support it," you might be able to poke around and see if there's a way to do that. On yeah. you, not going to tell you what to do with your money or anything, but just th- th- those options are out there. Just because that campaign is ended doesn't mean your ability to support is also ended. So,
0: indeed, cool man. Yeah, cool. That's all that we have for this week, Brett. What are we talking about next week? I know kind of the topics are kind of up in the air. They have been, you know. One of the things I was I was thinking about
1: was so we've talked about initiative before. Oh, it came up earlier today huh? around you know how side based initiative organizing things and so forth. I kind of want to redo initiative. Did we do me- one on initiative? We did a long time back. Probably wants to talk about alignment again. I don't know if I've just Ooh. gotten sick or what my problem is. Wow, was. I might have I might have had too many whiskeys or something. Hey, there's not I'd enough to
0: talk about. Let's do it on alignment. <laughs> Let's do it on alignment. <laughs> just to make people mad. <laughs> it's so annoying. Everybody must follow alignment. If you're not, you're <laughs> penalized. And by the way, it can shift. Blah, you know.
1: I did get a copy of. Um, well frack. Now I'm really going to sound like a goddamn moron because I don't remember what
0: this is. Let me come here. hobo show and Chad said, no initiative, just go around the table.
1: Just go just around the table. Just go around the table. You, I go, you go. I did that in Vampire for the longest time. It worked, right? Uh, Low Fantasy. I did a uh, copy of Low Fantasy. So I was thinking of buzzing through that and talking about that.
0: Oh, that, Brett, some of the games that have come up have all been me. Brett has yeah, not come to the I, table with a game. It's been a while. Yeah, it actually has. So I'm thinking of
1: uh, reading through that one and hitting that on Monday. So that's that's leading my pack right now. So it might be a little fantasy.
0: Yeah, Brett was more ASSH for sure. but Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It might be worth,
1: if we do go through that one, it might be worth getting Hobbs on just because he knows more about it than I do. He runs it versus my, well, having read it, much like we did with, um, <clears throat> with Tim DeShane. You know, I read it, liked it but having somebody who's actually done it. So that might be a thing we try to do as well. So,
0: yeah. Anyway, that's what I'm thinking of. Well, sweet. We'll see what happens and how this pans out. So if we drop this episode in time, check out Brett on Saturday, uh, check me out on Thursday night. And otherwise, thanks everybody for joining us in the chat this evening and here on Twitch and discord. Appreciate it. Otherwise, uh, if you want to tell somebody about this show so that they could subscribe, that would be fantastic. Always, yeah. yeah. That's cool. All right. Well, having said that, I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good game and all. This episode of Gaming and BS brought to you with the help from the following BSers. Graham Miner, Corey Wynn, Larry Hout, Mark DeSaka, Pure Mongo, Chris Dio, Ray Otis, Ron Bishop, Thomas Hook, Wayne Humphrey, Craig, Brandon Barnes, Laramie Wall, Dan LaValley, Jason Hobbs, Sky, Old School DM, Perry Besore, Jim Fitzpatrick, John Kayward, Corey Gonzalez, Eileen Barnes, Robert Nemeth, Niall Diamond, Howard Bishop, Eric Salzweedel, The Closet Gamer, Jeff Goad, and Appendix End Podcast, Aaron Coleman, C.W. Mellencamp, Craig Huber, Old Scouser Roleplaying, Jared Rasher, Andy Hall, David F. Baylog, Harrigan, Militia Byshynski, Brian Rumble, Henry Newcomb, Eric Telvola. Roger Brasslett, Mark Sohm, Andy Olson, Eric Avia, Ron Blessing, Jeff Seifert, Ghosty GM, Mike Hess, Angus, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Rory Weston, Curtis Hinson, Jim Ingram, Daniel Garrett, Eric Frankhouse Presents, Who's Carl, Chad Gleyman, Finolf, Josh Wallace, Marco Froelich, Aaron Relia, Tur- Curtis Takahashi, Michael Dinos, Rich Wishan and Joe Swick. Hey, if you're a fan of the show, do us a favor and let somebody know in your gaming group about us. Have them give us a listen. Maybe even subscribe. Head over to gamingbs.com forward slash subscribe. Thanks, BSers! This, this has been a Litterbox Box Studio production. production.